The Cat Lord, also known as Master Cat, was one of the animal lords. The Cat Lord was the ruler of all felines, from the common house cat to the huge Smilodon, saber-toothed tiger. Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries, and unsurprisingly, this episode, we're going to be talking about the Cat Lord. The quote at the start of this episode was from the First Ed AD&D Monster Manual 2. I see you've got the book there, love, so why don't you tell us about the Cat Lord? So, it's a unique creature, and I think it's the first one we've covered on. Yeah, I think it probably is, actually, love, yeah. So, uh, nobody's quite sure whether it's a deity or not. Um, and it says those who truly understand felines know that it's neither good nor evil but concerned with cat things alone sounds about right yep so, so if it's if it's mistaken for a deity I'd assume it's got some like, pretty like feisty stats it has indeed uh, strength 20 intelligence 19 wisdom 17 uh, dexterity 23 constitution 16 and then it's charisma is variable depending on who it is that's engaged with it so, so is that like if you like cats it's got more charisma towards you indeed it is so it gets 25 for actual felines yeah 22 for where felines Okay. 18 for partial felines and allurophiles, which means cat lovers. Yeah. 13 for people that don't really care about cats one way or the other. And 7 for people that don't like cats. So, like people who are scared of cats or whatever. Okay. Well, I could see how, like, if it's got stats like that, you know, it might be mistaken for a day or two. D- does it have any, like, other abilities or powers of interest? So it's got rapid movement, it can jump forwards, backwards or upwards for 30 feet, always lands on its feet and is instantly prepared for the next action. Nice. Has uh, four paws to attack and big teeth, so yeah, three separate attacks. Okay. Always has the initiative in normal circumstances. Occasionally takes human form when it appears as a 19th level thief or a 13th level monk with the abilities of whichever profession. And there's a black and white picture of like a fairly thin, sort of intense, staring looking chappy in the book. In that sort of black and white style that's common throughout uh, first edition Monster Manual 2. And then he can also summon other felines and we've got a little chart D100 that lets him summon Smilodons Spotted Lions, Tigers Lions Jaguars, Leopards, Cheetahs Mountain Lions or Wildcats That's pretty cool When he's in his human form different D100 role with which he can summon Potentially, were tigers, elfin cats, giant lynxes, or thirty-one to fifty domestic cats. See, that sounds a bit pants, but to be honest, I wouldn't want to be on the wrong side of like a swarm of like forty domestic cats. 
and he's got that's on 46 to 100 on the D100 so you've got more than 50% chance of that being what he summons nice but yeah 50 domestic cats I mean we have got the cat stats right next to us here yeah and they don't look all that bad on their own but yeah I, I wouldn't fancy being nibbled to death by 50 of them yeah I say it's no no small thing if you can just be like and summon up 40 to 50 cats so it also says that when he summons them they're completely loyal to him and obey his commands so he literally can herd those cats nice so then we're on to his spell light powers one at a time one per round at will and then he's got like maximum amounts of uses of them per day for some of them as well Mm-hmm. So, astral travel, maximum one per day. Blur, detect evil or detect good. Dimension door, maximum nine per day. Etherealness, maximum two per day. Haste, maximum two per day. Does not apply when in human monk form. Hypnotism, improved invisibility. Speed, as per the potion. Telepathy teleport without error maximum one per day that's a lot of spell like abilities yeah and, and most of them seem to be based from what you've said around sort of like movement mm-hmm. or being able to like disappear and appear quickly you know like dimension mm-hmm. door stuff like that which i suppose makes sense you, you can see how these abilities are all sort of loosely based around the sort of stuff that cats can do you know like cats just like appearing out of nowhere seemingly it's always on the wrong side of every door that's it yeah and not long ago, this phenomenal cat made 5D10 felines appear from a hat. And for those of you who are a musical inclined, that's a reference to the musical Cats, not the dank CGI crap fest that was the film, the, uh, the stage play. I thought it was a reference to the poem, but hey. <laughs> They're all a bit dodgy in their own way. So... When he's in feline form, melee attack also includes spit attack. Okay. He can spit only prior to biting every other round. So he has to spit, then bite. Then bite, then spit, then bite. On alternating rounds, I'd assume. Yeah. Gets one opponent's target. No to hit roll is needed. Creature gets save versus spells or is blinded. Ah, right, okay. So, yeah, so it's not an attack that does damage, it's just like Shazam, you're blind. You need cure blindness or dispel magic. Makes sense. Uh, this power, as are all the others, is at 19th level of ability. So that's a serious save there. Yep. And to be honest, if you're fairly low level you're probably not going to get much of a save at all against that. Okay, if he chooses not to do the melee attack, he can yowl, which will stun all creatures except other felines within a 19-foot radius, unless they save versus spells, and they are then unable to move, attack, or defend for 1d4 rounds. Okay. And again, coming back to those cats with their, like, one hit point 
of damage attack if you're completely defenseless for four rounds and there's uh-huh. 50 of them even like a fairly tough fighter would be under threat by that other abilities he can lick his wounds nine times per day is that like healing or yeah uh, 2d4 points of damage restored he has hearing and vision five times that of normal humans he moves with 99% silence possesses ultra vision two times normal power infra vision five times normal so 300 feet speaks all feline languages and can also converse with and there's a fairly lengthy list but it's basically cat monsters uh, chimera sea lions tabaxi were tigers etc uh, and can communicate telepathically with nearly any creature if necessary and then finally we've got the list of his assorted forms which is a black cat a black panther a pale human with dark hair or a dark skinned human in human form he always wears black clothes with gold and gems matching feline colours so tiger's eye I assume yeah, yeah other than cats his only known friend is the deity Zan Yi no idea what that is to be honest <laughs> he gets on with like but, but I, I, I'm, I'm definitely getting a very strong like probably best not to mess sort of vibe coming from the cat lord now the only other place as far as i'm aware although call in if and correct me if i'm wrong that the cat lord appears is the planescape monstrous compendium appendix now in that book the idea of the sort of animal lords is expanded a little bit and we're given four sample lords as the cat lord the hawk lord the lizard lord and the wolf lord but we're told that for each variety of animal in existence, there is a corresponding lord that dwells on the plain known as the Beastlands. In this version, they've got telepathy and ESP that's always active, that makes them impossible to surprise. They've got a variety of magical abilities similar to the ones you've just read out, love. But obviously they're sort of tweaked a little bit depending on which animal lord you're looking at. And they're immune to all attempts to charm or compel them. Each animal lord in this version can summon 2 to 12 animals of their type three times a day with a 100% chance of success. The Lord of Cats is depicted as a female in this book, unlike the male version mm-hmm. in the Monster Manual 2, with some excellent artwork from Tony DiTalesi showing an elfin-looking female, with, but instead of having like elf ears, it's like cat-like ears and sort of cat-like eyes and a very angular face. Mm-hmm. As with the previous book, the Cat Lord's morality only extends as far as a consuming interest in felines and redressing wrongs done to them, which can make them seem quite immoral, depending on whether you're on the, the sort of sharp end of what they're up to, to be honest. And that's pretty much the Cat Lord in terms of how it appears in Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. So I've been thinking a little bit about um, this, and this sort of, it reminded me very much of that whole sort of like animism belief sort of system you know like you think that all things like inanimate objects Mm -hmm. places animals whatever they've all got like a sort of spiritual essence and that they have like some sort of agency in the world uh now i'm no expert in this so don't don't be calling in and saying oh john you're not a religious expert so i don't 
I'll, I'll acknowledge I'll hold my hand up to that. But from what I've been reading, early animism seems to have been sort of based around the idea of like giving um, things understandable characteristics and motivations towards like things that otherwise might seem alien or difficult mm-hmm. to understand. You know, it's just sort of like a comfort thing because if if we think something behaves like us, it's easy to sort of wrap our heads around. And we can see an echo of this in like the morals of the catalog. Although it seems human, it's only concerned with felines, and it may appear quite immoral, as I said, to like outsiders, it's not a great leap to assume that, well, if an animal's got a spiritual essence, then maybe like the collective will or the collective essence of that race might have a presence and even manifest itself in some way. And if we agree with that, it's easy to see why the cat lord would be concerned with the welfare of like cats, because if you're created out of them, obviously you're going to be concerned with sort of keeping them going and keeping them happy. And we've seen this sort of reasoning used uh, for for deities and such like in various fantasy novels and RPGs where you say, oh, this God's all-powerful. Why do they need worshippers? Well, if they're dependent on those worshippers for their being and their power, that sort of explains why they need them and why they want to draw more people over to them because if they didn't need them why would they care but and i know the cat lord's not strictly a deity but it has many sort of like deity like qualities and the Mm -hmm. as we've seen the the monster manual too sort of goes to the lengths to say that it's often mistaken for a deity so i think you can sort of see a sort of a similar vibe going on with that the other thing you're reminding me of is the idea of the the genius loci which sort of was the Roman idea of being like a protective spirit of a place and the sort of similar beliefs, uh, you know, certain holy places have got their own essence, their own guardian spirits around the world even today. Various modern writers from like anime to fantasy fiction have expanded on this idea, depicting a genius like as being like made up of the, the substance composing its area. And I've, I was thinking in that anime series I'm watching at the minute, Eureka 7, Mm-hmm. There's the the scrub coral, or sorry, scub coral, that embodies the essence of the planet, and it manifests these strange and sort of naturalistic forms. Another example from anime might be like um, the living castle from Laputa, Castle in the Sky. And there's many different examples. You know, when you see like a forest spirit, and it's made up of the trees and the rocks and the river and stuff like that. But you're saying that rather than being the spirit of the place, the cat lord is the spirit of the cat. That's it, so, yeah. I mean, I think it's a fairly short step to go from the spirit of a place to, like, the spirit of a species or a creature. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Cat Lord seems to embody, this sort of, like, the collective sort of spirit, as we were saying, of felines or cats. And I don't think it's too it's too great a step, especially in, like, fantasy worlds, to say that, like, oh, maybe that spirit can sort of manifest a form of its own. And perhaps because it's it sort of has the essence of all cats inside it, maybe that's why it can communicate with all cats and why they all sort of serve it loyally if it summons them. And I mean, if you think about many gods throughout human history, they tend to embody particular traits, either like good or bad, of their worshippers. So if you if you live in a civilization that spends like gets a lot of their money and spends a lot of the time fishing you're concerned with like good sailing and good winds and stuff like that and you probably have a god that embodied those characteristics now whether it's 
whether it's a cruel god who if you don't like sacrifice to him they send storms and they like cast your your boats down or whether it's a kind of god where you, like, you give them gifts and they make sure you've got like you've got nice winds and you've got calm seas is down to like the, the society that created them but i think we see the fact that because this god has been created by non-humans so felines it's more difficult for us to understand because it doesn't echo human motivations it echoes cat motivations so the thing that it's reminding me of very much is uh, Terry Pratchett's Lords and Ladies where um, it's circle time the elves are coming back and there are many comparisons between the elves and cats because the elves also like to catch things and play with them for the fun of it the elves also have this slight tendency to be very beautiful if you look at them at the right angle sort of thing and there's a brilliant quote where he says something to the effect of oh the mice think cats have style and that's very much the question your character's got to be asking when they're facing up against this. Yeah. Right now, you're the mice. Does that cat have style? Yeah. And like you say, that that sort of thing depends... And we, we see an echo of that with, like, its different charisma ratings. Because, mm-hmm. like, how you perceive... And I, and I quite like that, because how you yeah. perceive it depends on how you're, like, relating to it. And it, it's even enshrined in the mechanics in this. So if you're a cat lover and you've just been, like, let's say you've just been helping some cats out and the cat lord turns up yeah it's probably this beautiful entity it's very kind it helps you out however if you're like some guy who's just like drowned a few cats because you had like too many in your litter you don't like cats at all you're probably going to have a very different viewpoint and probably going to be getting your ass kicked shortly by it (laughs) and obviously there's there's a lot of stories throughout mythology and legend across history about cats themselves I mean we could do a an entire episode just on that. I mean, that might be something to that we could potentially mm-hmm. do in the future. So, if you're interested in that, let us know. <laughs> but um, folks, the crazy cat lady would love to run. That's it. Hannah, Hannah would love to talk about cats for hours. <laughs> so, we'll probably end up doing one of them anyway. Yeah. But um, how about how you could use the cat lord in in your game? What do you think, love? I think it would have to be one of those encounters where he's there. He's got an agenda. And you know what he's going to do unless the players intervene. Yeah. And then you just have to let it play out. And if the players choose to murder everyone on one side, great. If they choose to, like, diplomats everything, even better as far as I'm concerned, because I love that stuff. But I'd probably set up some moral quandary where there's, like, someone who's in a grey area asking the players for their help because the cat lord doesn't like them yeah I mean I, I can think of a couple of ways of sort of off the top of my head of like using the cat lord and I think the first would be sort of like I suppose there's almost like a, a mystery or a, a puzzle if you want to call it that where perhaps the perhaps something's happened and the cat lord's turning up ready to like lay the smack down on this town because something's been done to to flick the victory of ease to like cat kind and perhaps 
someone's persuaded him to like give him a bit of a stay of execution and maybe your I mean it could have even been your player characters maybe your player characters have to find out like what's going on and was it actually uh, as sacrilegious as the cat lord thinks or can you find a way to say like look that isn't what happened here's the proof and sort of like get him to like back off I think you could also have him as the um, sort of archetypal like patron of your group. Now, the only thing I would say with that is that depends on how much you foresee in your game as like the cat lord getting directly involved in things. Because why would he hire the PCs rather than just waiting in himself? Yeah, I think he'd be more useful as a very occasional sort of a character if you're yeah. going to use him in that way. Definitely, maybe one of your player characters does actually worship him as a god because they've got some feline ancestry yeah. or maybe one of them owes him a favour for some reason and every now and again he turns up and goes, you remember how you owe me? Is a job. Yeah. I think one thing you should be aware of as well is if you, if you introduce the Cat Lord in some form in your game, you are then sort of opening yourself up to like, where's these other animal lords at? Yeah, if there's a cat lord, where's the dog lord? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and don't get me wrong, that could be great fun having like all these different animal lords. But you then got to think, well, how much do they get directly involved in like the affairs of mortals? Because if all the the animal lords are getting directly involved in everything, your your campaign world is going to be overrun by like these these weird deity like animal lords. See, I quite like the. Um first edition the first edition monster manual too (laughs) I quite like the first edition version of it because it has got that element of mystery to it Yes, this could be an actual cat that has just through magical means effectively like gained all of these abilities over its nine lives this could be a wizard who's just got a thing for cats yeah. and has spread his legend far and wide it could actually be some kind of a deity in the making it's completely ambiguous and you can use it however you want to within your own system whereas when it's nailed down as it is in the Planescape books it's already got its own mythology that you then have to mm. apply to your world yeah I mean I suppose any sort of, not rebuttal, but sort of slight thing I'd say against that is the, the Planescape campaign setting creates all these other planes. So the fact that it exists mainly on the Beastlands, it means it's not going to be always knocking around in your world. Mm-hmm. Now, there's nothing to say if you use the, the original version, you can't have it elsewhere or you can't have it only interacting with the world occasionally. But as we've said, I mean, I think a lot of the danger with these like unique creatures is the more familiar they become, the less mysterious. I mean, there's a whole lot of familiarity breeds content sort of thing. And it's described as a very alien creature. I mean, Mm -hmm. both books go to absolute lengths to sort of say that, like, people just don't really fully understand this creature. And sometimes it seems nice, sometimes it seems horrible. But, like, the only thing they can work out is it's obsessed with, like, its its particular species of origins, or cats in this case. So, And I think the more you sort of humanise it the less it's going to seem like this strange sort of deity-like semi-mythical figure, and it's just going to seem like, like you say, like a, a wizard who can turn into a cat. So, come on, 
if we were casting for a D&D movie that had the, the Cat Lord in, what actor would you put in that role? Richard O'Brien. Richard O'Brien. Yep. That's just because, like, if you say you're, who you're casting for a D&D movie, I'm going to say Richard O'Brien. <laughs> I think he'd be really good as a Cat Lord, Richard O'Brien. See, I'm thinking it's obviously supposed to be a bit like David Bowie. Oh, yeah, David, David Bowie would work as well. <laughs> I think you'd basically you need someone who could who could do that sort of shift. You know, like sometimes cats are all like nice and they're cuddling up with you, but then like when they're getting older, you they can switch and they're just like a ball of like claws and teeth. You need someone who could like portray that that sort of vibe of like, oh, they're nice now, but like they could just switch like that and they could be like on you. What's he called? That comedian Tom Bombadil. The bald one. On what the week? I know, I know what you mean, I just don't know what his name is. <laughs> that guy. And with some quick internet searching, I can confirm that we're talking about the UK comedian Tom Allen. He'd make a good cat lord. Yeah, he would actually, yeah, I could, I could really see that. But, um, so can you think of any other ways it could be used in your, your gaming sessions? See, if you're a GM that wants a Deus Ex but doesn't want it to be something that the player characters can expect to come back again anytime soon, if you've got like a TPK incoming and one character who really, really likes cats and maybe has like a cat familiar or a cat companion, I can see it being a really handy light one-off thing to drop yeah. in that you then owe this ca- monster character NPC whatever you want to call him you owe the cat lord a favour and he's going to call on it at some point later in the campaign yeah but um, I know you're not a fan of the deus ex no I'm not because <laughs> it's gank but um I think the thing for me as well is it, it's in, it opens up an intriguing amount of possibilities for your campaign world background. Obviously, you can take and leave as you see fit for your own campaign. But the Cat Lord, it, it specifically says it's not a deity, but it's powerful enough to be mistaken as a deity. So if you introduce it to your campaign world, effectively it's adding like an extra tier of like near deity like creatures, sort of lesser deities, if you want to call them that below the normal gods and goddesses of your campaign world and i mean i love that idea i mean i'm i may have to like put the animal lords in my like, OSE campaign mm-hmm. and i really love the idea of like it not only being humans who have their sort of deities because mm-hmm. okay yeah in the real world we know that only humans have deities but in a fantasy world we've got talking animals you've got weird creatures you've got intelligent monsters that are like part animal why wouldn't these creatures have their own idea of like what a god is and i like the fact that it's something different from the normal human deities because it's created from animals they would be different from what's been created from humans so i really love that idea like i'm probably gonna try and shoehorn them into my um my OSC campaign the only thing i would say about it though and this isn't really a massive thing to be honest the it, it does irk me slightly that there's no sort of like generic animal lord set of stats that you can then sort of tweak to suit particular things. Although 
I'm pretty sure that given the, the four animal lords that are offered in the Planescape one, it wouldn't be difficult to do. I think that's probably because there's such a wide variety yes, of animals yeah. that, I mean, the, the mouse lord and the elephant lord that's are going right. to be so very different. It's going to be really hard to start with a basic template. Yeah, I, I, th- I think, though, it's, it wouldn't be too difficult to come up with. And I, but I think you would have to answer, ask yourself the question if you were going to use demi-pantheon of animal lords effectively what sort of animals you were going to have because obviously in this one they've got like right cat lord covers all cats but there's a lot of animals where there's a lot of variety of them do you just have one lord just have a couple of them so the other thing that you then have if you have this pantheon of them is you have to consider their relationships with each other yes so like obviously the mouse lord is not going to be a fan of the cat lord yeah. The Dog Lord probably isn't a fan of the Cat Lord either. I think it'd be an interesting... You're absolutely right. I think it'd be an interesting thing to riff on, though, with those sort of conflicts. And I also think as well, because they're sort of based on like the archetypal version of the sort of likes and dislikes of those animals, it would allow the player characters to sort of like intuit stuff. So like if they're like, oh, we need to we need to like get our own back on the Cat Lord, like who can we find who's like interested in like sticking it to the Cat Lord? They can go like, well what animals don't like cats so if we find like their animal lord maybe we can like persuade him to help us out so i think that's a nice sort of like interesting thing that you could do so that's been our episode on the cat lord from the first edition monster manual 2 and the planescape monstrous compendium if you've got any thoughts about that and you want to get in touch to let us know what sort of animal lords you'd like to see in your game or let us know whether you think it's a good idea to have this sort of demi sort of uh, pantheon of animal lords or anything else maybe some suggestions for future shows or things you'd like to see you can get in touch with us a couple of different ways you can leave us a voicemail message using speakpipe there'll be a link in the description of this show or you can send us an email to rddrpgpodcast at gmail.com. Until we see you next time, take care, stay safe, and keep gaming. Bye. Sort of below the normal gods of your and gods...